Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Something to Talk About. I'm Randy Wartelski, and I thank you so much for spending this hour with us here on the Nachum Silo Network. So, are you sick of it yet? The constant confluence of the holiday of thanks and the Jewish holiday of victory? Thanksgivinga, they're calling it? What does it mean? And why is everyone so obsessed with it? It seems to be everywhere. The Minerki, the holiday references, all mixed up. What are our takeaway lessons from this rare occurrence? And really, why do we care? I could sit here and talk to you on my own about my feelings about all of this confluence of these two holidays, but I'm bringing on a guest because I think that this very special guest has lots of great things to say about lots of different topics. So no stranger to these airwaves. Ellie Lassen has graciously agreed to join me to discuss, and we hope you'll email us with your comments as well at randy at nachamsegel.com. Ellie Lassen is the executive director of JobLink of Maryland, a nonprofit organization supporting the employment objectives of job seekers in the Baltimore Jewish community. Services of JobLink include career coaching, professional networking, interview preparation, and facilitating employment-related workshops. And Elliot blogs on what's trending in the workplace at joblinkofmaryland.wordpress.com. Some very, very interesting articles. His articles have been featured on HuffingtonPost.com and the Baltimore Jewish Times and in the Jewish Link of Bergen County. He has appeared recently on radio and TV, including this very network, the Nachum Siegel Network. Ellie is also an adjunct professor of psychology at the University of Maryland. In 2009, he was appointed by the governor of Maryland to serve on the state's Workforce Investment Board. In addition, he's been a consultant to many organizations in the Jewish and corporate worlds. And I am telling you all of these great things about Ellie. This is his second time on the show. Last year, he came on to talk about lessons learned from the Super Bowl. And I brought him on because a recent article that he wrote entitled Thanksgivinga, Five Workplace Lessons from this 2013 Calendric Confluence, was an article that piqued my curiosity. Ellie, thanks so much for joining us. Good morning, Randy. Great to be on again. So you are taking away lessons from this confluence of holidays. And you, you know, you're writing about it on your blog and you've put out this really great, interesting article. What does it all mean? Well, Randy, I really had to jump on the bandwagon because everybody was talking about it, as you mentioned in your in your intro, and I felt that there are always lessons to be taken away from things that occur in life, things that are coincidental, such as the overlap between Thanksgiving and Hanukkah this year. And as we know, we've seen the menarche, we've seen the, the cheesy T-shirts and sweatshirts that are being uh, sold. Uh, there's also the uh, New Maccabees video, uh, burn, which has a reference to both uh, Hanukkah and Thanksgiving. And I was uh, just wondering what we can learn from these two holidays, either individually or as they come together. Let me ask you a question. As a psychologist, why do you think people care so much? I think that people care this year because the uh, occurrence of the the two holidays is so rare, and when that happens, 
Uh, it hasn't happened since uh, 1888. It won't happen again until the year 79811. Uh, that's quite a it's quite a while from uh, from now. And uh, people like to kind of jump on the bandwagon and seize the opportunity, whether it's entrepreneurial or just thinking about uh, the uh, confluence of the two holidays and trying to make some sort of sense out of it. Do you think that the general media that's getting so excited about this Thanksgiving is over-commercializing what's going on here? Yeah, of course. Of course. But that's the American spirit, Randy. <laughs> that's right. And um, you write in your article um, the reasons why, uh, meaning from a calendar perspective, why they fell out together. Can you explain that to our listeners? Well, I cannot say that I'm an expert on the... Uh, Jewish calendar or even what is known as the solar or Gregorian calendar. I do know that this year in the Jewish calendar is a leap year, which means that there is an extra month of, uh, there's an extra month of Adar uh, this year, and that kind of pushes things uh, back to make things a little bit early, and that we don't have the concept of a uh, leap month in the Gregorian calendar. Mm-hmm. We just have a leap year, which adds simply an extra day in February. And because of the alignment of the stars, as it, as it were, uh, we found ourselves uh, pretty much a full month uh, ahead of the uh, Christmas holiday, uh, which is when many people in the general community think that, well, there's Christmas and there's Hanukkah, and they are pretty much on the same time of the year. But that, of course, is certainly the difference between the two uh, calendar occurrences uh, of Christmas and Hanukkah is certainly magnified this year. And uh, we are uh, at a situation where we have uh, another holiday, another famous American holiday of Thanksgiving that overlaps with, with Hanukkah this year. You know, there are those in the Jewish community that don't recognize Thanksgiving as, you know, as an American, I mean, they recognize it as an American holiday, but it is not a holiday that they celebrate at home. What does the the joining of these two holidays mean for people who don't celebrate Thanksgiving? Well, I think everybody has to make their own decision as to whether they celebrate Thanksgiving, the extent to which they observe it, in America, in most cases, uh, work is going to be off uh, for Thanksgiving and even the uh, holiday that occurs after Thanksgiving, known as Black Friday. Right. And uh, for the most part, uh, no matter how you observe Thanksgiving, one is going to be one is going to be off from work. Uh, some of the yeshivas still have school, maybe a half day uh, or, mo- or other modified schedule. And uh, people need to, I guess, uh, follow whatever their tradition is from uh, from year to year in terms of whether they uh, whether they observe uh, Thanksgiving. But in my article, I did uh, talk about a, a direct connection between the two uh, between the two holidays. If you want to start to explore that. Sure. You know, actually, before we get to that, we'll come back to Thanksgiving in one second. You reminded me earlier when you were talking about the um, usually, in a usual year, you would find Hanukkah falling out in the end of December, which is, you know, around the same time that 
the rest of the American world, the non-Jewish American world, is celebrating um, the Christmas holiday. And I, re- I recall when I was in college, and I was in college in Manhattan, it was like difficult to escape the, you know, what I call the commercialization of the holidays in America. And I wrote an article at the time in our school newspaper, and I called it Christmas in Jew York. And I felt like, here we are, we walk around, we're such proud Jews, we, you know, you walk into a bank and you'll see a Hanukkah menorah sitting there and we feel so proud that uh, we have brought our holiday into, you know, the, the real Pursume Nisa and people are really seeing what Hanukkah is all about. And then somehow, often it gets swallowed up by this other holiday that's out there. And and what I've been feeling this year, and this brings us back to Thanksgiving, is can't there just be a time where Hanukkah is just recognized as being Hanukkah without it being related to any other holiday that others might be celebrating? Randy, if you've ever been in Israel uh, over Hanukkah, Hanukkah is an incredibly visual holiday in Israel. You see the Hanukkiyot out uh, on the street. Uh, People light them outside of their homes in those glass uh, cases. Uh, throughout cities such as Yerushalayim, you will see the city literally lit up, and it might not be in a way that uh, is similar to to, to Christmas uh, with the Christmas trees and the ornaments, but it is a very visual holiday. And when we go to uh, when we go to Israel, we sort of feel that we feel we feel that uh, we feel that symbolism that Persuminisa, as you mentioned. Uh, my wife and I were in Israel a couple of years ago over Christmas, and this was at a time when it did not overlap with uh, overlap with Hanukkah. And when you're in Israel for Christmas, you don't feel it's Christmas at all. So it's uh, it's really a matter of perspective. We find ourselves in the United States of America, and I think that there's a certain uh, certain holiday spirit that is positive, even among the uh, people who are in the in the gentile community the people that are observe that observe christmas there there's a certain spirit of giving a certain spirit of generosity uh people are nicer more polite and i think that that is uh a nice thing to uh to sort of uh, celebrate and appreciate even if we are not celebrating that holiday right um, my uh, a funny story just occurred to me uh, my wife has a uh, speech pathology practice in in our home, and the, she had a client that came from about a half hour away, uh, a non-Jewish client. And as he was coming into the neighborhood from the highway, he commented to my wife that you know I didn't see an, an a Christmas tree from the time I got off the highway when I got mm-hmm. into your neighborhood, and right. we live in a predominantly Jewish. Uh, and even Orthodox neighborhood. And to him, it was sort of the opposite of what, what you were mentioning. Is right. he, he felt that he was coming into uh, an area where he, he, it dawned on him that he just didn't see that symbolism that was everywhere in the malls and every, every part of his life. That's such an interesting point. That, and that's something that, you know, as you said earlier, you see all these visuals everywhere. 
And and I love the point that you made about uh, about Israel. I actually forgot about that. I did spend some time in Israel over various winter vacations and whatnot, where you really do get a chance to experience Hanukkah as, you know, only Hanukkah. So maybe the real lesson is we should all go to Israel. Maybe that's the real lesson. (laughs) Randy, I I kind of challenged myself walking through uh, Yerushalayim in the old city to to look for something that was was Christmas, uh, that was an icon of uh, of sorts. And as we were walking through part of uh, Yerushalayim in the old city, I looked up in a window it must have been a, a Christian home, and I saw a Christmas tree, hmm. and that was it. That was that was that was totally it. It was December 25th, and otherwise, you really wouldn't know. Uh, it wasn't Hanukkah at the time, and you really wouldn't know that there's a holiday. And it was uh, certainly a departure from what we're used to here. Right, very much so. Okay, so your first point in your article is a point that you like to call slam dunk. Explain what you mean. Well, what I mean with slam dunk is that it's incredibly obvious to me when you think about the word Thanksgiving and what our Jewish tradition tells us about the holiday of Hanukkah. The holiday of Hanukkah, according to the sources, and we, we say this in the uh, in the tefillah, is lahodot ulahalel, and the word lahodot means to give thanks. And we give thanks as a Jewish people for the military victory, as well as the famous miracle with the oil that was supposed to last one day, lasting lasting eight days. And if we use the parallelism of thanks in Thanksgiving and thanking God for the miracles of the war and the and the oil, it really is very it really is a very obvious it really is a very obvious connection and. Uh, I uh, mentioned that it's uh, appropriate for us to express thanks, not only to God for the miracle, but to express thanks to people who have got us to where we are. Obviously, I write a lot about workplace uh, topics, and if we think about uh, our professional success that we've had, it really gets started uh, from our parents, from our teachers, and as we ev- as we develop uh, as uh, as employees, as professionals, we may have a mentor that we can give thanks to, somebody who has showed us the ropes, somebody who has been there, done that, and has helped us and given us advice. Uh, and it could be in the workplace. And these lessons are really uh, something that can be extracted to life as well. If we have uh, rabbeim or teachers of Torah, uh, it might be an opportunity to to give thanks. And in some schools, they actually do uh, show a certain expression of uh, of gratitude uh, to to those teachers and mentors. What is a meaningful way to say thanks to a mentor in the workplace? I would say that taking an opportunity, perhaps unsolicited, when you give thought to your professional success, the skills, and where you are, and just at some random point, just write a nice thank you note, a handwritten note to a mentor. Uh, I've been thinking about what you told me a couple of years ago about some skills that I should be developing I went ahead and took your advice, and this, and I really appreciate it because it really, it really helped me. So I would say, uh, uh, simply a handwritten note. It could be, uh, it could be flowers. 
if uh, if it's the appropriate gender, that's uh, then flowers might be uh, an, a, a token that you might include with the thank you note. But it doesn't have to be anything major. It just needs to be something that shows that you introspected about where you are and how that individual made an impact in your life. I imagine that that is something that probably is very impactful for the mentor who's receiving this note. I mean, often as employees, we crave the feedback of our mentors. We crave the feedback of our employers. We want them to tell us that we're doing a good job. We want we want that little recognition at the end of a long day that we put in a lot of time, we put in a lot of effort, and what we did was good for the company or what we did was good for uh, the environment in which we work. And I would imagine that uh, people who are on the other end of that, the, the mentors or the employers, would probably be very impacted by receiving a note from the people that they are mentoring or the people that, you know, work work for them. Absolutely. If you think about a mentor, a mentor has been mentored by someone else, a generation or years before, and that person has been in that situation. And to be the recipient of gratitude sort of validates that chain of mentorship or that chain of guidance that that person received and that uh, that mentorship that that individual received is an opportunity really to give back to the to the next generation. Right, very much so. Okay, we are speaking about saying thanks. We're just going to take a short break here, and we'll be back with some more of Ellie Lass and some more of his great lessons that we can learn from this very, very unique calendar year. We'll be back with some more of something to talk about right after this. Lie, 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 lie,
due to the rare occurrence of Thanksgiving and Hanukkah. That was Toda, an oldie but goodie, followed by Tzilva Zemmer's Al Hanisim, always a favorite of mine. Welcome back to Something to Talk About. I'm Randy Wartelski on this Wednesday morning. So many discussions, so many takeaway lessons. What does Thanksgivinga mean to you? Today we're speaking with Ellie Lassen of, of the Job Link of Maryland. And uh, psychologist Ellie Lassen is talking to us about his takeaway lessons from Thanksgiving, in addition to some very other interesting topics having to do with these two holidays. And he has an article entitled Five Workplace Lessons from This Unique Cal- Calendric Confluence. Ellie, thanks again for joining us today. Great to be here. So we were talking about, obviously, Thanksgiving. What do you say in your article entitled, the, the paragraph entitled, Eight Crazy Nights? Well, that is, uh, using some poetic license taken from uh, Adam Sandler's famous Hanukkah song. A selection did, I didn't play. <laughs> that he did uh, on Saturday Night Live, and it's available on on YouTube. And as we know, uh, the miracle of Hanukkah was that the oil that was supposed to last for one day miraculously lasted an additional seven days. And we know in the Hanukkiah and the menorah that for each successive night, an additional candle is lit. And there is actually a dispute between uh, Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel as to whether we count down from eight, seven, six, and so forth, or we count up. And we follow the opinion of Beit Hillel, who say that we count up. And the point here is that life is incremental. Life experience is incremental. Experience in the workplace is incremental. And what I mean by that is that we don't get it all at once. We learn, we learn on the job, we develop skills, and we perhaps will change jobs. But the direction that we should try to take is vertical, is always progressing, always picking up a new skill, picking up a way of handling a particular dilemma at work, a particular experience that we've had might help us deal with something in the future. And this is a lesson that is not only applicable to the workplace, but it's applicable in life, it's applicable in relationships. And that additional experience that that we have, uh, being incremental, uh, gives us the wisdom to perhaps mentor, as we mentioned before. Right. And, and you know, something else that I was thinking about when you were talking about the succession of the of the nights, each successive night resulting in a full candelabra on the last night. I was thinking about watching my children light the Hanukkah. And, you know, we video them from year to year, and it's, it's really quite cute to see um, how they were as, you know, four-year-olds. And, and now, you know, my son is now 11, and to see that he can light the menorah now with uh, you know, with a confidence and we're not as afraid as we were, obviously, to let him hold the match. And even when you go from night to night, getting that practice of lighting the first candle makes you feel more confident and feel more comfortable the second night, 
when you light two candles. And then the third night when you light three. And then that last night when everything is all lit together and there's a lot of fire, it feels warm, it feels hot. It's a very, very big accomplishment, I think, um, to get there and light all those eight candles on the last night. And I would imagine that it's the same way in the workplace. You accomplish that first task. You feel comfortable at that first task. And then you learn whatever you learned from that first task that builds up, that, that, that then lets you go to the next one and the next step and the next step. And, and as you said earlier, you know, just growing in your career, but also growing as a person in what you call your lifelong learning. I think what you just described, Randy, about your about your son is certainly a metaphor uh, a metaphor for life, where they're lighting that first candle, or they're lighting it for the first year, and then they're growing from age four to age eleven, and you see that you see that confidence. And in the workplace, it's very much the it's very much the same case. When you first start out start out on the job, you, you really don't know what you're doing. Uh, you may have your academic training, but it's very difficult to transfer that right away into the into the workplace because the workplace is not just not just about getting the job done, not just about managing stuff, but it's about managing relationships. And as one gets more comfortable in the workplace, in doing the job, in working with the people, then one develops that sense of comfort in not only the workplace, but also, but also the job. Right, and you're right. That's not something that they teach you in school, cultivating relationships and uh, building. I mean, I recall I worked um, at a TV station uh, for a short time, and I worked for – I worked on a specific show, and one, one week the production assistant on another show was out, and so I covered – a second show and I basically was, was working one-on-one with a specific reporter and um, the morning of that the show was airing, we were getting phone calls from all sorts of sources that were calling in to give this reporter tips on things that were going on. Um, and that particular day, this reporter was out and the reporter had someone else covering for her. Are you following my story so far? And I, I'm not giving any names, but there was a, a, a substitute reporter, and I'm a sub, and this reporter was a sub. And I'm fielding the phone calls, and I'm saying, well, the real reporter's not here today, but there's another reporter here, and I'm handing the phone over to the sub reporter. Anyway, when the original reporter, whose show it was, came back, she kind of said to me, mm, you gave the phone to the sub who is now fielding phone calls from all of my sources. And that was a life lesson for me. She was upset because she was working so hard to cultivate relationships with people who would be out there, you know, helping her report the stories and giving her the information she needed to report. And there I was in one day taking all of her hard work of cultivating relationships and just giving them over to somebody else. And that's not something they teach you in school. That's like something you learn on the job. Well, that's really the value of internships. And I've spoken about the, uh, the importance of having internships, which are an opportunity to not just follow what it says in a textbook, but actually be in a real-world situation and perhaps learn more than what you could ever learn in a textbook. And as a part-time professor, I am certainly fond of what it 
says in some of the textbooks. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to minimize that, but I believe that internships really are critical in uh, conjunction with the academic training, perhaps even at the same time as the academic training, perhaps in a summer or uh, part-time during the regular semester, really to, to transfer that knowledge uh, into a real-world real world situation. Right. And, and what you talk about transportable skills, what is a transportable skill? A transportable skill or a portable skill is something that one can take from one job situation to another. As we know, Randy, the workplace has changed, jobs have changed, and because of that ever-changing, uh, ever-changing job market, one really has to develop skills in current jobs and take skills from previous jobs. And if one finds themselves out of work or perhaps in an industry that has evaporated, it's really important to have on your bench of skills something that you can take from one industry to a next, from one type of organization uh, to a next, to the next. We often sort of get attenuated and stuck in our organization and the way that they do things. And if something happens to that organization or that job, people find themselves out in the cold. But if one can develop, whether it's a technical skill or a, uh, a social skill, of, let's say public speaking, that they can port over to a next job, then that is going to make that person more marketable in the workforce. Right. That's an excellent point. And I would I would add to that that every experience that you have, the, the lessons that you learn from that experience could only help you grow in your next in your next job or in the next place that you appear. Well that's why experience is something that's always valued. Uh, people who just have the academic training without any the academic degree without any without any experience, they're not going to be as valuable as somebody who has more experience and perhaps even less academic training. Right. So portable skills and certainly experience to carry one individual, uh, to carry an individual from one job to the next, especially when they're forced to change fields, is really huge. Right, right. Now, when we talk about Thanksgiving next to Hanukkah, obviously these are two very, very different holidays full of diversity. What's the lesson that you take away from that? Diversity. I, I, I make I, I mention of the new Maccabees video, and I don't know if uh, the audience has, has seen it. It's definitely worthwhile, and I, I say this because I love their stuff, and some of the guys in the group are friends of, uh, friends of my son. And the premise of that video is a, a kid, it could be a high school age kid, who needs to be able to function in a school where, let's say it's a public school, where he's certainly, certainly outnumbered. And this individual has, if you read the history of how they developed the, how they developed the song, it, uh, it really started from this uh, this individual, this 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 kid, and he developed a sense of Jewish pride where he was able to go into the school and proudly wear a proudly wear a kippah in an environment that was not a a Jewish day school uh, or or yeshiva. The United States of America is sort of a melting pot, and it's increasingly becoming more of a multicultural 
environment, uh, people who have who have come from different countries, people who speak different languages, certainly people who have different uh, different customs, different uh, cuisines, different uh, uh, culinary preferences, and the workplace is really full of different different types of people. And religion, of course, is one of the one of the areas that uh, people people differ on, and. Uh, the uh, the holiday of uh, of thanksgiving is really an opportunity to to, to give thanks uh, to uh, perhaps the founding fathers for allowing this uh, spirit of religious tolerance in this country and that's definitely something uh, to be to be thankful for and we have to recognize that not everybody else is going to be is going to be similar to us as orthodox Jews as Jews we have to sort of uh, recognize that as well and we can give thanks that we have the opportunity to uh, to work to be successful on the job no matter what gender what religion what ethnicity we are right and i think also you know, when you talk about joining the the workforce and it being a um, a melting pot of you know different cultures, when I worked at this TV station, I mean, there were so many different kinds of people, all different religions, all different ages, all different ethnicities, and it was really my first time, like not in a full time Jewish environment, and I actually learned a lot about myself, it being in such a diverse workplace. You know, being able to uh, field questions about my religiosity, being able to field questions about my Judaism and my belief and why I do this and why I do that. And I think, you know, we all had an opportunity to really learn from each other just being in that, you know, sort of mixed up environment. Yes, and and I think it really calls for us to be informed Jews to be able to answer questions that might come our way uh, that we've never been asked before and to be able to to answer to answer the questions obviously we're not there to convert or proselytize but we're we're there to to sh- to show uh to show what we are and perhaps where where we came from some of our traditions and uh, one of the most uh, observable uh, differences is going to be in in terms of what people pack for lunch or what people can eat because uh, as kosher observant right. Jews uh, we can't necessarily uh, eat the same food at a, at a holiday party uh, or going out to a restaurant for to celebrate a birthday that everybody else can so that that usually becomes a a situation that uh, can be managed properly, and uh, usually once you explain that need to a coworker, they become very, very uh, accommodating. Yeah, and just getting back to the Maccabees, uh video for a moment. And by the way, we should tell our listeners that we're specifically talking about the song called "Burn," which um, you know is a new release. It just came out a couple of days ago. And why do you suppose? the Maccabees, and maybe you have some inside information, I don't know. But why do you suppose um, they decided to bring out this video now at this time? Well, I think that they've been known for putting out Hanukkah videos uh, since their their very first uh, Hanukkah video that became the the sensation that went went viral. And I, I... I think that first of all they're 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 talented and this is sort of a become a tradition uh a tradition for them but I I appreciate the fact that they have inspired others to other Jews perhaps living out in the boondocks somewhere to to really appreciate their 
their Judaism and to be proud of their Judaism. And I, I think that they feed off of that. And if you read the, the history of this particular song, Burn, you'll see that they were motivated to develop this, uh, to develop this uh, song and video and the uh, audiovisual component to go, to go with the music creates a beat and a certain, uh, a certain excitement about what the song what the song represents and and they feel sort of an obligation to show that that orthodox Jews can be talented and hip and uh clean cut and 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 convey very wholesome messages and i i i would recommend that everybody should should take a look at that that video and and extract whatever symbolism to me the symbolism is obvious but people may glean other symbolism from it as well yeah, let's let the listeners listen here. We've got the, the brand new release, the song Burn, right here on Something to Talk About on the Nachum Siegel Network. We'll be right back. Because we got the fire, fire, fire. Yeah, we got the fire, fire, fire. We, we don't have to worry about nothing. Cause we got the fire And we burning eight nights of something They They're gonna see us from outer space Outer space Light it up They're burning bright for the human race Human race When the lights turn down
וזה מתוך הדיסק החדש תחלמי בגדול. מילים חנה גולדברג, לחן יובל שרים. אם יש לך את הכוח לאהוב, ויש לך ידיים לחבק בלי לחשוב, אם מת טיפת העושק אתה מוכן גם לקנות, יש סיכוי שיהיה לך טוב. יש לך אולי אהבה ששומרת רק עליך והיא עדיין רק שלך אל תיתן לזה ליפול לך מבין האצבעות תגיד מתי כבר תתחיל לראות לפני שתיעלם תסתכל ונראה את ה... Take a look at the blue sky and say thanks. Tagi Toda, this Thanksgiving holiday. And before that, Burn, brand new release from the Maccabees in honor of Hanukkah. And those two come together in honor of Thanksgivinga, which we're talking about today with Ellie Lassen right here on Something to Talk About. So, Ellie, we were talking earlier about diversity. And we talked about respecting others and others respecting us. But what should the workplace really be like? The workplace should really be, unless, it's, unless we're talking about a very homogenous, uh, 
in our in our situation uh, Jewish uh, Jewish environment uh, where everybody is uh, kosher observant and Shabbat observant, but in most cases that's not that that's not the reality. Uh, the workplace should be should be religiously neutral. And while we have the freedom of expression that we might be able to do in our personal and private family lives, but the workplace really should be uh, devoid of anything that's overtly overtly religious. And that might be the way in which one decorates uh, his or her cubicle. Uh, it shouldn't be any large obtrusive symbols of, uh, of, of one religion or, or another. And do you think that that's to show res- that in a way shows respect? If it's religiously neutral, it also shows a certain amount of respect. It shows a, it shows, shows a certain amount of respect for the workplace as being a professional, a professional workplace. And it also shows sensitivity because not everybody uh, is going to be uh, adopting your, your symbols. And when, when we go to work on a daily basis, we should be going to work, to work to get the job done in a professional environment. And I think everybody's entitled to a religiously neutral professional environment. Yeah, and speaking of symbols, you just mentioned earlier that one may decide to decorate their desk. Uh, often we look around around this time and we see holiday symbols everywhere, whether they be Hanukkah menorahs, as I said earlier, you see them everywhere, or whether they be other kinds of, you know, even pumpkins or, 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 or any kind of fall-related um, fruits or colors in honor of Thanksgiving. Uh, what are some of the symbols and the recognition that you see right now at this time? Well, obviously, as you mentioned, we, there there are trees that are sometimes in uh, in, in public places or in office uh, in office buildings, and uh, the symbolism that, I, that and and recognition uh, that I'm talking about uh, that I talked about in my article is to use opportunities to what we talked about before showing thanks perhaps through a symbolic gesture as mentioned through perhaps a letter uh, a thank you note to uh, to a mentor and uh, the it doesn't have to be anything that is uh, that is large it's really a token it's really a symbol of showing that you recognize the good that has been uh, that has been uh, done for you, the the guidance and mentorship that that person has given you, perhaps, and uh, with symbols all around, whether it's the, the the pumpkin is symbolic of the harvest, and uh, the menorah is uh, is symbolic of uh, of light. Perhaps we can uh, see it as uh, the Jews being a light upon uh, upon the nations. And mm-hmm. there are so many uh, sy- symbols that are very very public and very visual. And uh, we should try to use those symbols uh, to to thank others and show our gratitude. And uh, when you say showing gratitude, so these could be through reading from your article, formal commendations, gifts, gratuities, or even bonuses. What do you think is the best way to show gratitude? Or maybe there isn't a best way. Well, certainly in these uh, economic times, a uh, a a. Uh, a Token of appreciation that would be in the form of a bonus uh, always uh, always helps. But 
I, I remember uh, in one of the jobs, uh, one of my previous jobs, there was a holiday party where they gave out certificates of recognition. And I think everybody was a winner. It was one of those things. But the fact that they called you up uh, one by one and thanked you for your service and said something that was specific to what you did, uh, and they did that in a public way, uh, that uh, I believe uh, was uh, was a very was was a nice thing. So gratitude can be expressed in a public way. It can be expressed in a personal way, and I think combinations of those of those two are really uh, important for a, any work any work relationship and any work environment. Yeah, and and as we stated earlier, I think it's a two way street: employer to employee. And also employee to employer. And that could go, you know, that could get you very far. I mean, we don't want anybody to be disingenuous about the letters of, of thanks that they're going to write to their employers, but uh, that could take you far. I think that the recognition of what has been done for us, I, I believe, goes a long way. When we talk about lessons, and, you know, you're your takeaway from all of this as somebody who, you know, works very hard at job-related discussions. We talk about lessons. You take workplace lessons from the confluence of the holidays. What does that mean in the larger sense? I think there's something that can be learned from everything is what I'm trying to get at. When you see Thanksgiving and Hanukkah, was that the first thing that you looked at was what kind of workplace lessons can I take from this? That's sort of the way that that's sort of the way that I I, I think and I approach life. Uh, certainly, when I'm in the car and thinking about the confluence of the two holidays, I, I I generally think in chunks of chunks of five and try to come up with whether it's five, six, or seven uh, points. And uh, as I mentioned from the outset, I think that there are some individual lessons to be taken from Thanksgiving, individual lessons to be taken from Hanukkah. And as we've explained, there are some crossover lessons, uh, crossover lessons as well. Randy, life is about learning from experiences and gleaning lessons from everyday life uh, and and applying them to the next step of our lives, whether it's in our social lives, whether it's in our professional lives. And we always have to be looking out for the next uh, development in ourselves and how to grow. And if this is an opportunity to pause and think about those two holidays and how they cross over and what they mean individually, I think it's worth that contemplation even among all of the commercialization of the uh, Thanksgiving that has been uh, that has taken place, and certainly we hope that our listeners today are taking those those lessons with them as well, and that thought process that you just described. Certainly, we hope that that's the takeaway for our listeners. And by the way, speaking of the over commercialization, please tell me what is a minerky? Well, I googled it, and I think there was an entrepreneurial young young man. I don't recall his name, but if you take a look at the picture, it is a uh, turkey, uh, ceramic turkey with holes in the top of this fan shape uh, where there are uh, candles. And uh, that is a menorah that's made in the, in the shape of a, of a turkey. I've seen some fusion recipes for sweet potato latkes and cranberry sauce 
or uh, turkey-shaped challahs. Yeah, how many? Oh, I've seen those at turkey-shaped challah. How many people are stuffing their turkeys with potato akas? <laughs> Um, well, that's got to be an interesting taste. Uh, yeah, to each their own. It's it's all about comfort food and whatever whatever makes you comfortable. Well, Ellie, thanks so much for opening up our eyes and showing us so many different facets of this um, of this holiday confluence. And uh, to all our listeners, we hope that today we've given you something to think about and something to talk about right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Listen up with Chaim Hagler is next. Let's give them something to talk about.